Good morning, everybody. It's the Marcus Today Members Podcast on Tuesday, 5th of December, and I have cracked finally selling our US bets today. A rum old night last night. Dow Jones didn't do too much, but the Nasdaq down 0.84%. If you look at the FANG stocks, the big tech stocks, most of them are down 2% or so. And today I've looked through all the charts. And I've published a few of them in the newsletter today in my section charts of NVIDIA, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Tesla, need I go on? They are all losing momentum at the top in the ideas portfolio, which is a trading portfolio. It is fairly short term and we've been holding a near 20% profit in the LNAS ETF, 19.4% profit. Today, I'm taking that profit. It looks like the whole market is just losing momentum, tipping over into Christmas. We seem to have had the December rally in November. Not giving up on it completely yet, but taking profits on the FANG ETF, the HNDQ, which is the hedge NASDAQ ETF, the LNAS ETF, long NASDAQ ETF, which is 2 to 2.7 times geared to the NASDAQ, and even on the IHVV which is the hedged S&P 500 ETF. So selling all our US bets as the US market just hits the top and comes back in big tech and locking in those profits. I've had a bit of a hair trigger on all these things recently, but have a look at the charts there. You'll see topping out. That is not to say it can't resurrect for December. It almost certainly can, but it seems the best and the fastest gains have been made ever since the Federal Reserve meeting a month or so ago. And I'm happy just to take those profits. Longer term, they might be fine, but the ideas portfolio is shorter term. Longer term, the strategy portfolio, I am very comfortable with. We still have our exposures, mostly to the US market through HNDQ, the hedged NASDAQ ETF, and the IHVV hedged S&P 500 ETF. And we still hold A200, which is the ASX 200 ETF, and still hold SLF, which is the REITs ETF, which was a play on interest rates peaking, and it's going okay. We're up 5.9% on that. So the average performance so far of the strategy portfolio holdings is up 5.1% since the buy-in a month ago. So doing very nicely, as I've mentioned a few times this year, and as I would like to advertise to the world, but haven't. The strategy portfolio is up 26% this year when the market's up 2 or 3%. We have hugely outperformed after 120 days in cash after a great trade in big tech over the AI bubble earlier this year and again on timing the market at the bottom after that last Fed meeting. So doing okay in strategy. In fact, doing fabulously in strategy, which is our market timing portfolio using ETFs. It is a portfolio for green zone investors. More of the colors if you haven't already read that stuff. We are quietly color coding our portfolios and more on the portfolios later. So bailing on the U.S., rally in the short term. Happy in the longer term. Spy futures this morning were down 38, as I'm sure you've seen, and our market down 70 at the moment. Pretty ugly stuff. Resources in particular not going so well. BHP, I've got a chart of BHP and the BHP one stock portfolio has been performing very well recently, but BHP down 1.7% today. Rio down 1.3%. Still happy to be holding BHP in the BHP one stock portfolio. Macquarie still happy with that as well. That's down 
1.8% today. Banks just losing a bit of colour today. Our trade in Qantas in the ideas portfolio looking rather good. We're now up 10% on that. Telstra benignly down 1.8% domain holdings. We were up about 6% on that, down 1.4% at the moment. Losers of the day are once again lithium stocks. Top of the pile of poor performers, mineral resources down 4.2% today. Pilbara Minerals down an ugly 6.1% today. IGO down 3.4%. Allchem down 3.7%. It just doesn't get any better. If you have a look at my section, you'll see a chart of the lithium price down again overnight down 5%. Obviously, there appears to be, and a lot of the traders are looking for some fabulous buying opportunity in lithium, hoping for a resurrection. There was a lot of commentary about the 20% shorting of Pilbara Minerals last week. It is the second most shorted stock in the market. Shorting creates volatility. If there is an excuse or a reason for the share price to go up, the short covering tends to make the share price, a share price move, particularly quickly. So the hope is at some point Pilbara Minerals will have an excuse to move rapidly higher. But I would tell you in the long term shorts, shorters tend to be correct. And I certainly wouldn't be buying into lithium until the prices start to move. The moment they do, everyone will be up that drain pipe like rats. But at the moment, not happening obviously today. Wait for one good day and then have a lash. No good buying just because they're going down. RBA meeting today, no change expected. Michel Bullock's rhetoric is expected to say, we will raise rates if we have to, prudently hawkish, but probably won't. In other words, pretending to be hawkish. Central bankers get a little bit twitchy when the financial markets start to bolt off on an assumption that they are going to adopt one policy or another. And currently, the central banks are getting a little bit twitchy that everybody's running off on the idea that interest rates have peaked. So they will try to hold them back, likely to pull in the reins a little bit. Could be a little bit negative today out at 2.30. Bear in mind, we have had a lower than expected CPI number since her most hawkish comments a month ago. Actually, less than a month ago. It was a post-meeting speech, wasn't it? But we have had a good CPI number since then, so maybe she'll let up a little bit. But I expect hawkish utterances today. Let's see if they mellow from that. Bond yields were up overnight. But if you stand back a little bit, you'll see bond yields have certainly peaked, broken the uptrend in the US and Australia. So the assumption still is, even though we get little blips with bond yields going up day by day or occasionally on a day. The big trend does seem to be down now and that is hyper important for the equity market rally. Israel Hamas conflict is back on. Not good for markets generally, good for gold, good for oil. A lot of hype about the gold price, which has hit a record high. But coming off today, some of the worst performers today are gold stocks. You've got Northern Star, which has been a fabulous performer, down 4.4%. Newmont Mining down 2.2%. A bit of profit taking in gold stocks. In fact, gold, the worst sector today, having been the best yesterday, down 3.21%. I've put a chart in today of the national polls in the US for the Republican candidate in 2024. I have to tell you, Trump is way out ahead at 58.3% of the polls, which massively outstrips any of the other candidates 
DeSantis the nearest rival with 13%. Bottom line, the polls are predicting former President Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. Whatever your opinions about that, it is probably good for the stock market. I've written a paragraph today about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is flying at the moment. Have a look at the chart. This has been a whatever, however sceptical you are, and I'm a massive cryptocurrency sceptic, there was an obvious trade. I remember listening to, not so long ago, Kathy Wood at the Son Hearts and Minds conference. And there are lots of, opinion, lots of opinions about Kathy Wood. Her funds have started to recover from a couple of years of terrible performance. This year, they've been some of the best performing ETFs around. And she made the point at the Son Hearts and Minds that if the SEC approve an ETF that buys Bitcoin, then Bitcoin is going significantly higher. If you have a popular commodity ETF, and the example is the gold ETF, if you've got a popular commodity ETF and the commodity has limited supply, which of course gold had and Bitcoin has, then the development of a significant ETF is meaningful because it creates demand that can't be met with any new issuance. You can't just create more Bitcoins. You can't just create more gold. So it effectively makes a seismic difference to the demand for that commodity and becomes self-fulfilling. And this is the point Kathy Wood was making, that the SEC approving a, if not a number of Bitcoin ETFs, will propel the price. It was a pretty easy trade. Of course, the problem with it is, is what do you buy? I don't trust any other, and I can't talk to members about any other platform other than the ASX. So there is no Bitcoin ETF, obviously, and this is chicken and egg, isn't it? We'd love to buy one for a trade for a trade only. We'd love to buy one for a trade, but of course there isn't one. Just a little sideline, I had an email from a member who was asking about a stock that we'd recommended in the short term, and he still holds it. This, I think, is one of the, and he'll admit to this as well, one of the tremendous weaknesses of many investors is they assume every recommendation, particularly in newsletters like ours, or from broker analysts, are forever recommendations, when in fact they are simply for a particular time frame. Just think about that whenever you buy a stock. What is the time frame for this purchase? Is it a trade? Is it medium term? Is it forever? There are only a very few stocks the sort of stocks that will be around in 10 years or 50 years, the Woolworths of this world, the major banks, there are only very few stocks you'd ever buy forever or with the intention to hold forever. Every other recommendation, be it Pilbara Minerals or one of Henry's stocks, is only ever going to be for as long as they go up. They are effectively, everything is effectively a trade except for a small group of very large quality stocks. So just bear that in mind whenever you buy something. And that's that's not an excuse for us saying buy XYZ to find that five years later it's gone to nothing. Well, in the meantime, it might have tripled and that was the opportunity in the trade. So just bear that in mind. Every trade has a time frame. Every purchase has a time frame. And you should really be aware of what you, you think the time frame is because forever is only appropriate to a small group of stocks. You cannot go back to a piece of broker research two years ago that said buy XYZ and said you said buy it if you haven't followed the research ever since. 
and spotted the point at which the broker said sell. Anyway, I digress. I've written some paragraphs about the Marcus Today long-term growth portfolio and the Marcus Today long-term income portfolio. Just to highlight, we are going, we have taken the decision to make some significant changes to the growth portfolio. We're going to significantly cut back on the stocks. Have a read of the paragraph. We're going to cut back to about 10, 15 stocks. Turning up with 35 stocks, if you're a new investor, whether you're turning up with $50,000 or $100,000 or a million dollars to follow our portfolios, if you get faced with 35 stocks, some of which have gone up, some of which haven't gone up, which ones do you buy? There's just too many stocks. So we're going to significantly cut back on the number of stocks and we're targeting 10 to 15. That is good for us as well, because the smaller number of stocks, the more focus and conviction and interest we can pay them, and the more interest we have in getting our stocks right. But a bland list of 35 allows us to sort of ignore the portfolio, doesn't it? So we are going to get a little bit more convicted in the growth portfolio and genuinely try and pick out, it's not so much a portfolio, to tell you the truth, Try and pick out 10 to 15 growth stocks that are designed to grow your nest egg, designed or targeting share price rises rather than income. In the long-term income portfolio, we're also going to be making a few changes. You'll see those. I've written a paragraph about it. Have a read. We're not going to get too radical with the income portfolio, but we are going to pick out some of the best income stocks weight them accordingly and come up with an average achievable yield, which is not really something you can manipulate. There is only so much income you can get from the market. Anyone promising more than an average, not an average, anyone promising more than is available in yield from shares is only ever going to be paying you your capital back. Makes for great marketing, but just to give you an example, any ETF that's marketing a 10% plus yield is going to, has to be paying you your capital back. In the same way, I could promise you a 50% yield in an ETF. I could create an ETF that guarantees you a 50% yield. But of course, it's only going to pay you that for probably just over two years. And all I'm effectively doing is paying you back your capital. So for two years, I'd pay you half your capital back. The next year, I'd pay you your other half the capital back. And then there'd be a little bit left over probably from the interest I've earned on holding your cash for a while. But effectively, we would run out of money. The price of the ETF would go to zero and that'd be that. But I could set up an ETF that yields. 50% and market that the billions would pour in. And unless I saw it as a massive Ponzi scheme, it's just unrealistic. So you can only pay whatever yield is available. Anyone paying more than that is a ruse. So we will, through the income portfolio, list the best income stocks, which means quality reliable, weight them accordingly, which means higher weight to the safer, higher yielding stocks, particularly banks and then come up with, on those weightings, the yield that you will get. We can't do any better than that. So we're going to come up with, and you'll be able to see whether you're interested in, the average achievable yield using equities. And it's out of our hands. No one can generate income where there isn't one. So we will target a decent yield compared to the risk we take, but it will be a fact. What is the average achievable yield plus franking? And we will start to quote you that 
through our long-term income portfolio. And there we go. That's about it today. Waiting for the RBA in a couple of hours. ASX 200 just rallying a tiny touch. Resources on the nose. Gold seeing profit taking. Lithium in a hole. US jobs numbers on Friday, the next milestone after the RBA. That's about that. You have a good day. We'll be back with the end of day podcast. Otherwise, I'll see you tomorrow. Oh, 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 oh,